Praise the Lord, um, indeed. Um, Brother Ron and I are very happy uh, that we can still have this conference uh, with you this weekend, even though, regrettably, that we cannot be uh, with you in person, uh, but in the, by the Lord's uh, sovereignty, that uh, we can still gather uh, together through this uh, virtual means, and we can fellowship over the word together. Um, uh, <clears throat> as you can see, the subject uh, of this weekend's conference is on uh, the Christian life, the church life, the consummation of the age, and the coming of the Lord. This is the title, uh, the subject that we covered at the recent uh, international training for the elders and responsible ones. And uh, we are burdened, as we did in the past years, uh, to use a few of the messages from that training uh, to have fellowship with the saints. Uh, I believe uh, these messages are very timely and uh, not only <clears throat> to meet the need of the leading ones, but also for all the saints at large. Uh, this is a very timely word. Also a very needed word uh, in consideration of today's uh, environment that we are in. Uh, we, need, we need the speaking uh, from this word. These four matters implied in this title, they are not <clears throat> unrelated matters, individual separate matters. Rather, they are very much related. Our Christian life must be for the church life. The individual Christian life must be for the corporate church life, and our church life, Christian life, must be lived out in the light of the Lord's imminent second return, which will take place at the consummation of the age. At the end of Matthew uh, verse tw uh, chapter 28, verse 20, the Lord told the disciples that I am with you until the consummation of the age. That consummation of the age refers to the end of this age, which is the time when the Lord is returning, when he is coming back. And our, um, our Christian life and our church life must be lived out in the light of the Lord's uh, second Im imminent second return. <clears throat> we are not living in the days of the apostles, nor are we living in the days of um, uh, uh, Martin Luther at the time of Reformation, uh, not even uh, in the times of uh, uh, the British Brethren. Today, we are living in the 21st century. We are living, I believe we all within us, we have a sense, we have a registration. We are living very close to the end of this age very close to the Lord's imminent return. How should we live our Christian life? How should we have our church life? This is very crucial. We, don't just, we should not just live as common, ordinary Christians do. We do not just go to church, carry out uh, our church life, so-called, in a kind of a common, ordinary way. There should be something that will... Uh, impact us. The light of the Lord's return 
should impact us in how we should live our Christian life and our church life. <clears throat> now we come to this <clears throat> first message, and the title of this is "Watching and Being Ready in Order <clears throat> to Be Prepared by the Lord for His Second and <clears throat> Imminent Coming." The Lord is coming back, not because um, uh, the hour, the clock strikes twelve, and it's time to come back. The Lord is coming back because a certain condition is fulfilled. Just like a farmer, <clears throat> he will not reap the crop when the crop is still green. A man will not marry a woman to be his wife. If she is only eight, ten years old, she is not matured; she is not full grown. Neither will a soldier to engage in warfare if he is he does not have his ammunition properly prepared. He is not ready; he is not prepared to engage in battle. Surely, for the Lord to come back, there has to be a readiness. There has to be a prepared, a ripe condition, according to the revelation in the Word. The Lord will come back as our dear Bridegroom. He is coming back for His bride. The bride has made herself ready, as we are told in Revelation chapter nineteen, also in chapter twenty-one, verse two, that the New Jerusalem, which is the bride of Christ. She has she has been prepared as a bride, adorned for her husband. Well, we we many Christians yearn, long for the Lord Jesus to come back, to settle problems, to bring peace on earth. That's not the reason that Christ will come back. His coming back is to marry his bride. Well, the question is. Is his bride prepared? There is a long process for the bride to be prepared, which involves, which includes the building up of his body. Right, the the built-up body will be the prepared bride. So until that condition is fulfilled, the Lord will still be waiting, and His return will be delayed until the condition. Is ready, is satisfied. Well, as implied in this title, in order for us to be prepared by the Lord for His second coming, we need to be watching. We need to be ready. Well, <clears throat> that's what we want to fellowship about tonight: is the matter of watchfulness and the matter of being ready. It's one thing in order to for us to be prepared, we need to be watching, we need to be ready. I feel,、um, you know, today we are in this、uh, pandemic environment. I feel it's a very good uh, um, reminder or illustration of、uh, this situation.、Uh, every day, we need to be watchful. Uh, I know my my wife reminds me a, a lot、uh, because she is much more careful than I am. 
uh, much more detail. She is watching everything I touch, every uh, um, the clothes I put on outside, come back, need to be put off. Uh, we need to be watchful. We don't know where this thing goes, where this thing comes from. Uh, you may just touch it uh, by uh, touching a handrail. You have to be watchful. Before this pandemic, we can go very freely. We can go very, uh, um, you can touch anything you want. And, uh, but not these days. You have to be very, very watchful, vigilant. Uh, what you, <clears throat> whom you meet, whom you talk to, how you talk to them, what you touch. Not only you have to be watchful uh, because of this uh, uh, changing, uncertain, uh, precarious uh, situation of the virus. We just don't know. I mean, nowadays, in this, as we are, as we have been reported, the, the cases are are shooting up, and it seems to be skyrocketing right now. Uh, we don't know. So, since we don't know, we have to be watchful. We have to. We cannot be careless. And then also, we need to be ready. Well, ready in the sense that, um, well, you you are you are watching. You are you you realize this thing is uncertain. But then, when I when I go out of the house, I don't have I don't have mask on. I don't have a shield on. I don't have a, a proper clothing, proper protection. I'm not ready. Um, uh, in order for us to be prepared uh, for the Lord's coming, we need to be watchful. That, and also we need to be prepared, ready. Are we ready? Ready in the sense of are we properly equipped? The preparation <clears throat> is uh, uh, the second in the in the in this title. Be pre, uh, uh, the preparation of the bride for the Lord's return uh, refers to refers to the condition the bride is is being made ready being made she is in a prepared condition but our watchfulness and our being ready relates to our attitude what kind of attitude do we have are we watching are we ready are we properly equipped to get prepared so uh, these are i feel we are living uh, in the environment today, um, uh, you know, is uh, according to Second Timothy chapter three, uh, the first few verses, which tell us <clears throat> that in the last days uh, there will be many, many uh, negative things. There will be lawlessness. There will be, uh, 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 you know, the. Uh, 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 all kinds of evil. Uh, there will be uh, 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 pleasures will be prevailing. Love, lovers of pleasure, lovers of money, uh, lovers of uh, uh, of the world, uh, and uh, all these all the things will be intensified in the last days. Uh, we are we are living in a very particular time of the age that we need to be watchful. It's not think as the as we are approaching the end of this age. Uh, it is getting darker. 
than ever before. We cannot uh, move about as if we are still in the daytime. No, we are in the darkest part of the night, just before the dawn appears, just before the Lord will come back. At this time, we need to exercise much vigilance and much watchfulness, and also to be in a ready attitude. Ready is your spirit ready? Is your heart ready? Doesn't mean that you are prepared. It's just that you need to be ready first. You have to be ready to be prepared. We cannot come to a meeting expecting to be prepared, but yet we don't bring the Bible. We don't bring a hymnal. We don't bring any. We just you you want to be prepared. You want to be prepared, but you are not ready to be prepared. So I feel. Um, it is important that that we would have this realization. It's one thing to have the sense the Lord is coming soon, but we need to know what is He coming back for, and uh, what where where should I uh, where where should I stand? What is where is my pos- what is my position uh, in light of this? Now we get to, let's go into the outline. The first point says the the Greek word for coming, that is, he is coming, he he is coming again, is the word parousia in Greek, which means presence. Christ's coming will be his presence with his people. His parousia will begin with the rapture of the man-child and of the first fruits before the great tribulation and will end with his appearing on the earth with the saints at the end of the great tribulation. The Lord's coming, his second coming, as opposed to the concept of many, is not something in an instant. Rather, it involves a process. This word, his coming, is the word parousia, which means his presence. Actually, his coming will start, will begin at the start of the great tribulation, the last three and a half years of this age. This is the the so-called the 70th week, as prophesied in Daniel, the second half of that last week, the last three and a half years, when the Lord began to rapture the saints, the dead ones, the deceased ones, to be the uh, uh, the man-child, the overcomers, and the living ones to be the first fruits. That will take place. His coming is like he is on a journey to come back. That coming, when he when when he begins to rapture these saints, that is the beginning of his parousia, and he will be in the air. And eventually, at the end of that time, he will physically appear. That will be his final, ultimate, the, the physical manifestation. He will touch foot, touch his feet at Mount Olive, and all the eyes will see him. That will be the end of his parousia. So there is a period of time of his presence of his presence. This is, uh, this is uh, implied 
in his coming. Now, the second Roman numeral, we need to see the signs of the Lord's second and imminent coming. The Lord is coming back, as he told the church in Philadelphia, I come quickly. But he did not tell us when. And uh, he did not tell us uh, the exact time, the exact date. However, as we just read in Matthew 24, that in verse 3, when the disciples asked him, what are the signs of your coming and of the consummation of the age? Although he did not tell us exactly when, what the time and date, he did give us, he does give us signs, the signs of his coming back. Signs are indicators. If you were to pay attention, even though we know, none of us know exactly when the Lord will return, but saints, there are signs all around us. There are signs in history. There are signs in our environment when we need to be a we need to be alert, to be watchful, to understand what these signs point us to. In uh, <clears throat> in Jeremiah chapter eight verse seven, there is such a verse, brotherly used uh, early on in his uh, 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 when he first came to to the U.S. and he. Uh, use this verse to speak about the world situation or the uh, um, the uh, knowing the time. In uh, verse seven, he says, "It says even the stork in the sky knows its appointed times, and the turtle dove and the swallow and the crane keep the time of their coming, but my people do not know the ordinance of Jehovah." It seems that. The birds in the sky, they were aware of the change of season, the changing of the climate. When the weather gets cold, they just adjust themselves. They will fly to the warmer, warmer area. But Jehovah is complaining that even the birds seem to know how to adjust themselves according to the changing season, changing weather, but my people do not know. My people are even not as smart as the birds, right? The environment around us is changing, but yet we are not so we are we are so numb, insensitive to these changes. So when the Lord Jesus were was with the disciples, he told them, You can you dis, told the, the Pharisees, you can discern the sky, discern the weather because by the by the color of the sky. Why can you not discern the times? Even the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 13, he also tells us that, that we need to know, know the time. Know, we need to know the time, that we are not, uh, 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 the night is far advanced, the day is coming. So, dear saints, <clears throat> We need to learn to, we need to be vigilant. We need to be watchful to see the signs, the indicators the Lord has pointed out to us so that we can be watchful. We can be ready to be, to be prepared. A says, the greatest sign of the end of this age 
when the last three and a half years of the Great Tribulation are about to begin, is the preaching of the gospel of the kingdom to the whole inhabited earth. We know since the ascension of Christ that the gospel began to be preached. In the last 2,000 years, the gospel of grace, the gospel of God's love, has been preached nearly, I would say, to all the inhabited earth. But saints, in chapter 24 of Matthew, verse 14, the Lord Jesus says that the gospel of the kingdom will be preached to the whole inhabited earth for a testimony, then the end shall come. Then the end will come. The gospel of the kingdom is not the same as the gospel of grace, the gospel of love, which has been preached quite widely in the last 2,000 years. But how about the gospel of the kingdom? That means it's the gospel that will bring in God's reign. The gospel that will bring the sinners not only uh, to God's forgiveness, to God's um, uh, justification, but back to God's rule, back to God's reign, which is just his church. The church is the very kingdom of God. We praise the Lord for the last hundred years or so. The Lord has his recovery raised up among us since the time of Brother Nee. Well, the particular commission that is given to our brother is not just to be spiritual, just to be evangelical, to uh, 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 care for the sinners in a general way. The particular uh, commission given to the Lord's recovery is to raise up the church as the, as the saints been preaching the gospel everywhere. The result is churches are being raised up. In the last, even in the last uh, 15, 20 years, we are seeing that the gospel of the kingdom is being preached to the whole inhabited earth. Praise the Lord. Even in the land of Emmanuel, in Jerusalem, there is now a church. It's not just some saved ones there. There is a church in Jerusalem. The kingdom of God has reached there. There's a church in Rome. Now there are churches in the Middle East, in, so, in, the, in the so-called even the forbidden area, where the gospel could never be preached. But now there are not only believers, there are even churches in, the central, in central Asia, in Africa, saints, not only the gospel of forgiveness and grace and love, but it's a gospel of the kingdom represented by the church, by the churches, where God can exercise his rule and his reign. As you are seeing these things happen, the Lord's word is being fulfilled that the end will come. Now, B says, Another great sign of the Lord's coming is when Israel, represented by the fig tree, was miraculously restored as a nation. To the believers, this fig tree is a sign of the end of this age. We know the nation of Israel 
had been fall, had fell into <clears throat> the hands of the Gentiles for over for nearly 1900 years. And all of a sudden, in 1948, and the United Nation has approved, has uh, uh, sanctioned the the uh, establishment of the nation of Israel. That was a shock to nearly all the people. How could a nation which had been under the rule uh, of Gentiles for these uh, centuries, all of a sudden, God came in to revive their country, to revive their nation. And then 19 years later, in 1967, this, the city Jerusalem was reunited back with Israel, right, to be the capital city. That was another shocking news. Dear saints, that was not just an accident, just a mere common event that happened in history. That was God's fulfilling his words as another sign of the close and imminent return of our Lord Jesus. See, says, before the day of the Lord's second coming, the apostasy will come, and the man of lawlessness, Antichrist, will be revealed. We all know, at the end of the age, there is the Antichrist, the lawless one, the man of sin, will appear. Well, we don't know who that is, uh, how he will come about, but we know God's word is will be fulfilled. And at least we can say that the principle, the, 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 the spirit of lawlessness, the mystery of lawlessness has been working. You just consider all the, the things that are happening around us today, around in, in the whole world, is lawlessness. People are, uh, 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 is uh, apostasy will come in. The, it is, everything is working to set up the stage for that final man of sin to be manifested. One says sin is lawlessness, which is the living of a life outside of and not under the principle of God's ruling over man. Saints, do you think today people are drawn closer to God, more God-fearing than 100 years ago? No. Today, the law, the, the mystery of lawlessness is prevailing. Is uh, even in a Christian country, a, le- a leading Christian country like America, the lawlessness is increasing. God is being pushed aside. Sin is increasing. But maybe, you know, some are just, sin is no longer treated as some abhorrible thing anymore. Sin is a common thing. It's a, it's, it's a, it, what's wrong with that? People say, what, what, what's wrong with, with lying? What's wrong with uh, 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 doing these bad things. Lawlessness is pervading our society, our environment, as the word already tells us. 
Number two says the mystery of lawlessness is working today among the nations and in human society until Antichrist, as the man of lawlessness, is revealed. This mystery is already at work, very, I would say, very prevailingly, because the perishing ones do not receive the love of the truth. God sends to them an operation of error, an active power of misleading that they might believe the lie. Dear saints, uh, people, um, I, 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 you know, I don't want to, to touch the realm of politics. This is not where, you know, we have not, nothing to do with that. But in the whole society, whether it's in the economical realm, in the political realm, or even in the religious realm, Lies are everywhere. And even it's amazingly that uh, people believe the lie. There are people who can tell lies and there are people who believe the lies. And it's, it's really uh, uh, sobering when I read these verses there in Second Thessalonians 2.11 that God will actually send to them an operation of error. This corresponds to what Paul said in also in Ephesians 4, that in the slight of men, that to, um, uh, uh, is according to the system of error, it is designed to cause people to err. You know, all the, all the things we think that education, uh, culture, all the good things in human life, are designed to help people to be better, to be good. But Paul unveils that there is such a system that is at work to cause people to err, to cause people to to make mistakes. What mistakes? Not just so much the right and wrong, the mistake of going further and further away from God, pushing God aside. That is the real error. There's an active power of misleading that is operating. Believe me, brothers and sisters, I believe you, I believe you also have, have been observing. There is such a, an operation of error that is going on. Then number three, thus we can see that Isaiah 520 is fulfilled with the ones who believe the lie. The verse says, woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. You may wonder, how can that be? Sweet is sweet, right? Light is light. And uh, uh, how can how can you say otherwise? Well, you can see this. You can see this in the in the in the in the whole world today, even among Christians. Sorry to say, even among so-called Christians, they would say evil as good. They would say what is darkness as light. This is clearly in the word. And according to Brother Watchman's ministry, he spoke on the matter of obsession. There is such a thing called obsession. People are so obsessed with what they believe in, that they are so convinced 
what they believe is right, even though it's totally wrong. They believe is true. They believe is right. Is is absolutely darkness, but they fully believe. They are so convinced it is bright. It is light. There is such a thing called obsession. And in these days, in the last days,、uh, toward the end of this age, we as we will be seeing this more and more. An operation of error is working. Now, D says, when the great tribulation, the last three and a half years of this age, is about to begin, Antichrist will set up an abominable, abominable idol of desolation, an image of himself in the temple, and make people worship both it and him. This shows that the temple of God will be rebuilt before the Lord comes back. So, the Antichrist will set up his own image, and will cause people. Uh, inside the, in the temple of God, and has caused people to worship Him, and so this indicates that before the Lord come, the Lord comes back, the temple will be rebuilt. Well, if you go to Israel today, you visit、uh, the temple. There's a temple society. Talk to the people there. They will tell you they are they are they are ready for any moment when something、uh, happen to that mosque. They're ready to go in to rebuild the temple. Something sovereign of God will happen. I don't know what, how, but surely God is faithful to fulfill His word, and His temple will be rebuilt. And these people—they are not fooling around. They are serious. They have gotten all the material ready. As soon as the right moment arrives, they will put the temple together. And this will again be the fulfill another sign of the Lord's coming. He says the conditions of evil living that stupefy the generation of Noah before the flood portray the perilous condition of man's living before the Lord's coming and the great tribulation. We read earlier from Matthew twenty-four,、uh, the Lord prophesied that. Uh, the days of the Son of Man、uh, will be just like the days of Noah. In the days of Noah, there was an imminent judgment, a flood coming to wipe out all the, the mankind, and people were every day what eating, drinking, giving in marriage, indulging themselves in the foodstuff, in the lust of the flesh. Today, brothers and sisters, you think. The human living today is better than the time of Noah. I don't think so. The pleasure seeking, the flesh, the fleshly activities, are much more prevailing than ever in the whole and the entire human history. The condition of evil living today has stupefied, stupefied mankind. Uh, before the Lord's come, the Lord's coming, we as we, as we are seeing these things unfurl before us, we should have an indication, have a sense, the Lord's coming is drawing close. Another sign, point F, a sign of the Lord's second coming is a lack of faith among many of His believers. In Matthew 
in Luke 18, verse 8, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Today, you talk to people, whether it's uh, unbelievers, believers, people are becoming more pragmatic. They, uh, uh, they are living by the things seen, by the visible things, by the physical things. And uh, uh, even Christians, even Christians, um, they, you, talk, you talk to them about faith, about believing in Jesus, believing in the unseen one. They said, this is joke. If you want to gain people, you have to give them something visible, something tangible. This is why they have rock music. They have magic shows to be carried out in their so-called Sunday meeting in order to draw people. This is something that they can identify. This is something they can, they can, they can see, they can touch. There is a more and more of this downward trend of the lack of faith among many of his believers. God's children are tending more toward the visible physical things, not having exercising faith in Christ. And gee, another sign of the Lord's second coming is that because lawlessness will be multiplied, the love of the many will grow cold. This is, of course, toward the love of the Lord. This is in in uh, um, uh, the uh, according to Second uh, Timothy three, I mentioned people in in the last days, people will be actually lovers of self, lovers of money, lovers of pleasure, instead of lovers of God, instead of lovers of good. The love of many toward the Lord will wane will become cold. Saints, is this true or not? Well, you look at the whole Christianity. Are the Christians, do the Christians love more of the Lord than 200 years ago? When the pilgrims first came to this, uh, the, the, uh, came to this, uh, 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 this country, seeking religious freedom, many were really God-fearing. God loving, but now in such a prosperous country, the leading country of the world, do people love God more or love money, love pleasure, love the self? I'm sad to see, to hear when I heard there were reports came to me about even in some mega churches when people are invited to speak there, they were discouraged to don't bring the Bible there. Don't talk about God. Talk about prosperity. Talk about success. The love of, of God of, by many are growing colder and colder. Then H, a sign of the end times and of the Lord's second coming is the over-accumulation of wealth. In James 5.3, it says, you have stored up treasures in the last days. Number one says, in the last days before the Lord's coming, men will accumulate wealth in an unprecedented way and will thus be unaware of their coming miseries and their miserable destiny of God's judgment. 
In the last days, there will be a multiplication of material enjoyment and lustful indulgence with unprecedented hedonism. Hedonism means what? This word means is a doctrine, doctrine of uh, uh, having pleasure or and happiness as the highest good. Is the the devotion to pleasure is the way of life. Well, we are in the modern age, digital age. Today, um, you just consider that isn't this true? That there is an over accumulation of wealth that we are seeing in our generation that has never been seen before. In your in the northwest, you have Amazon. Less than thirty years, what from what I heard, twenty six years since the since the start. Now is the is the wealthiest wealthiest uh, 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 corporation in the whole world. I mean, this is the the accumulation of wealth is just unthinkable. Even Google, right? Less than even younger, less than just in the last twenty, thirty years, the accumulation of wealth, not just by corporation, but even individuals, overnight millionaires, are made left and right. This had we we never saw this kind of thing, but this is happening right before our eyes. You think this is accidental? No, this is already in the in in uh, prophesied, spoken to us in the word. These are all signs of the Lord's imminent return. Okay, I better go on to the next uh, section. Now, point number Roman numeral three: to be taken by the Lord, we need to be those who are watchful for His imminent coming, and prepared and ready to be His bride, so that we may be raptured. Before the great tribulation, it's one thing to see the signs, to see these indicators. It's another thing to be prepared, to be ready by being watchful. Right? You, you. I don't think anyone can disagree with all those signs mentioned in the last Roman numeral. But what do we do with them? I hope. As we are going through these messages, the Spirit of the Lord will visit us, will touch us, not only to show us the sign, but show us, Lord, what should we do? What should our attitude be? We need to be watchful. We need to be ready, ready in the sense of I'm. I'm. Doesn't mean that we, I'm prepared yet, but we need to be ready. We need to be open to allow the Lord to equip us to prepare us before His imminent return. A says the meaning of rapture is to be taken into the Lord's presence. If we would be taken into the Lord's presence, we must be in His presence today. The Lord's coming. We are told. That uh, he will rapture the the uh, overcomers first, right? We said in his parousia, 
it will begin, that will, that will be initiated by the rapturing of those overcomers, the man-child and the first fruits. What is, what is uh, the rapture? It's not what you see from bumper sticker that suddenly all of a sudden someone just, uh, un, uh, this vehicle is unmanned and uh, suddenly just uh, shot up, uh, uh, taken up in that kind of a miraculous, uh, abrupt way. If you read uh, Brother Nee's, uh, Brother Watchman Nee's The Song of Songs, he talked about the rapture there. He says the rapture, uh, it, it does not happen suddenly, but is a result of a step-by-step walk with the Lord. Rapture is not just, you are just doing, you are just uh, living your your uh, worldly sinful life and be just because you are a Christian and then Christ one day will just all of a sudden just rapture you. It doesn't work that way. Rapture is, it does not happen suddenly, but it's a result of a step-by-step walk with the Lord. Rapture actually is the last step of our walk. So if we walk with the Lord, just like Enoch, you keep walking with God, and eventually the last step of that walk, you got raptured. You find yourself in the Lord's dear presence. But all along, you have been with him. You have been in his presence. So, yes, when the Lord returns, he will begin rapturing his lovers, his seekers, the overcomers. But that rapture is not just some kind of a, a, a activity. That Actually, that, that rapture is the very last step of these dear ones who have been enjoying his presence all along. So today, if we want to be raptured by the Lord when he comes, we must be used to live in his presence. These verses are very precious. In 2 Corinthians 2, Paul was such a one. He was always living in the Lord's presence, even in the matter of forgiving uh, a sinner, forgiving a brother. He did it in the Lord's presence, in the, in the Lord's, according to the index of his eyes. In the Old Testament, in the Psalms 16, 27, 43, these Psalms tell us in the Lord's presence is the fullness of joy. The psalmists, they, were, they long to be in, in the, live in the house of God because that's where God's presence is. Dear saints, I hope that would, the Lord these days will cultivate such a longing within us. I want to be with the Lord. Another day goes by, another week gone by. Lord, I just want to get, I just want to be with you day by day, week by week, until I can be just right next to you. This matter of the Lord's presence is real, right? So it doesn't mean that you have to stay away from, uh, you have to go to uh, 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 close close up yourself in the closet. You have to, uh, uh, no, as you are still doing your, your normal daily affairs, chores, that in your spirit, you're exercising to live with the Lord in his presence. Then B says, in order to be those who love the Lord's appearing, his coming back, 
we must treasure his appearing, his manifestation to us today. It's one thing to be in the Lord's presence. That is uh, somewhat more general. But also we must have the Lord's appearing. That is more particular. In 2 Timothy 4, Paul says that he knows when he he will be rewarded by the Lord, the righteous judge, a crown of righteousness, not only to him, but to all those who love his appearing. Every day, as we are enjoying his presence in a general way, we also must seek the Lord's appearing to us. That is his his manifestation to us. In John 14, verse 21, the Lord tells us that if we love, if we love him, he and the Father will love us, and he will manifest himself to us. Every day, we should have morning revival, but we should not just have morning revival in a kind of formal, routine way. I read the, I read the verses, I read the great box, I read the, the ministry, okay, I'm done. Dear saints, as we spend a time with the Lord in the morning to so-called have morning revival, we are seeking the Lord's appearing that morning. Even just a little, his a little appearing by, by one word that he speaks to us. Do you love me more than these? Just one word. That's, that was his appearing, touching our heart, touching our whole being. We need the Lord's, not only his presence in a general way, we need his appearing day by day in a particular way. Caesar, as the one who is taken, is mature in life and the other is not. To become mature is a lifelong matter. For the Lord's coming, we need to prepare ourselves by loving him to the uttermost and by growing up into him in all things so that at his appearing, we may be matured to be raptured. We know in Matthew 24, we read in verses 40 and 41, there will be two men working in the field, two women grinding at the mill. One will be taken and the other left behind. Both were doing the same thing. Both were working. Both were laboring. But only one was taken. What's the difference? One was ready, one was not ready. The one who was ready was mature in life. The Lord will not reap a green harvest. He will not harvest a green crop. He will only harvest what's ripe. So there has to be the maturity of life in the believers. right? And becoming mature is a lifelong matter. For the young people, for you to be saved at a young age, you are blessed. Don't don't spend your youth, your youthful years in the world, absorbed by the world, taken up by the world. Take, Take advantage of your youthful years to love the Lord, to seek the Lord, to grow in the Lord so that you can get mature. To be mature takes time. You cannot have a child, uh, uh, you know, three months old, six months old, and then mature by next year. It won't happen. 
it will not happen. It has to go through a period of growth, of eating, drinking, right, learning. So we need to treasure our days, treasure every opportunity to to gain the Lord, to be filled with the Lord, so that we can arrive at maturity. D says, being ready to be raptured is a matter of being filled with Christ to the uttermost by praying that we may grow and mature in life. To be mature, Brother Lee says, is to be filled with the fullness of the divine life. It's one thing to be transformed, that we are receiving some transformation. We were raw, we were worldly. Now we are transformed to be a a proper brother, a proper sister in the church life. Just to be transformed is not enough. We also need need maturity, which means that we allow the divine life, even the fullness of the divine life, to fill us to to the brim. Like Jacob was, Jacob experienced first transformation through all the dealings, and eventually, after everything was stripped away from him, all his craftiness, all his uh, uh, cleverness, all his uh, possession, all his ability, then he became just an open vessel for God to fill him. He was he he arrived at maturity at the end of his life. For us to be raptured, we need to be mature. He says, he says, uh, the meaning of being watchful is to be careful, not careless every day on the alert against the possibility of stumbling. Those who watch must be those who do not trust in themselves and are not self-confident. Saints, as we as we go on with the Lord, we learn a lot of things. We acquire knowledge. We acquire some experience. And sometimes, I would say many times, we would feel confident. I know this. I have learned this. I've been here. But actually, that is a sign of immaturity. Only an immature one would feel confident of himself or herself. The more we grow in the Lord, the more we become mature in the Lord, the less we feel confident of ourselves. We should not feel, I mean, I've been in the church life for 30 years, 40 years. I have been a leader in a service group. I have been bearing responsibility in a district. Brothers, we should not assume anything. We should not assume of our status, of our attainment. We all need to be humbled and emptied. You know, I I, I love uh, this portion uh, of uh, uh, Brother Nee's writing in Song of Songs. When he came to this portion of uh, Chapter 8 of Song of Songs, uh, concerning the the lover, the seeker, 
uh, asking her beloved to set her as a seal on his heart and set her as a seal on his arm. Brother Ni expounded this in this way. Uh, set me as permanently as a seal upon your heart and as indelibly as a seal upon your arm. Just as the priests bore the Israelites upon their breasts and upon their shoulders, remember me constantly in your heart and sustain me with your arm. I know that I am weak and empty, and I am conscious of my powerlessness. Lord, I am a helpless person. If I try to preserve myself until your coming, it will only bring shame to your name and loss to myself. All my hopes are in your love and your power. I loved you before, but I know the under undependability of that love. Now I know I look only to the love you have toward me. I held you once and it seemed to be a powerful grip. But now I realize that even my strongest grip is just, is just weakness. My trust is not in my holding power, but in your, in your holding power. I dare not speak of my love to you any longer. I dare not speak of my grasping of you any longer. From this point on, everything depends on your strength and your love. Each time when I read this book, I came to this portion, I was deeply touched. Here, not only this seeker, this is in chapter 8 of Song of Song, toward the end, she had arrived at the most matured stage. And even here, Brother Nee also was matured in his life, in his spiritual life. But he realized that he could not trust in his grip, in his grasping of the Lord, in his love for the Lord. Only the Lord, the Lord's love, the Lord's power are trustworthy. So dear saints, in this uh, in this age of uh, uh, so much chaos, so much confusion, so much tumult, don't trust in yourself. You think I'm strong. You're living in a world. You say I'm. I, I I have control. I won't be. I won't be drawn. I'm. I'm above it. Don't be so sure. Today, the enemy, the world, is much more powerful than it ever was. The enemy is more fierce than he ever was. None of us by ourselves should have any confidence in ourselves, your spirituality, your your gift, your experience are not trustworthy. So the more we grow in the Lord, the more we will lose our self-confidence, our self-trust, Point F says the Lord will come secretly as a thief to those who love him and will take them away as his treasures. Christ is the preciousness to his believers, and our desire is for him to fill us and saturate us with himself as our supreme preciousness, our treasure, so that we become men of preciousness, even preciousness itself. Just like what Daniel says. 
In the Old Testament, Daniel was a man of preciousness, even preciousness himself. God, he will come. Our Lord will come as a thief to steal us. Do you think that Christ will steal some garbage from your house? A robber, when he comes to visit your house, he is not looking for garbage. He is not looking for even cheap things. He is looking for something valuable, something of worth. When Christ returns, will he find something precious in us? Will he find something of value in us? What is of worth? What is of value? Not your knowledge of the Bible. Not your own, your spiritual attainment. It is Christ himself. Christ is the preciousness. Every day, we, what we need is to have this Christ work into us, built into our being, right? He is the one that he will steal. He will come back to steal himself. But this Christ now is being wrought into us through our prayers, through our cooperation with him, through our growing up into him in all things, we become precious to him. Now, G, especially in these last days, we need to be watchful and give heed to the prophetic word as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in our hearts. In the few remaining days that we have, let us be those who love and serve the Lord, who are revived and overcoming every day, and who let the world go go in order to be ready and waiting for with all our heart for the Lord's second coming. Dear saints, the Lord's word is more than clear. The Bible is filled with the prophetic word. There are the signs I mentioned in the previous uh, uh, section, what do we do with them? After we read the Bible, we, we hear the word. These are the prophetic word. They need to be made more sure, made more firm in our heart, in our hearts, that in these remaining days, saints, we don't know with anyone, with, with each one of us, how many days we have left. We, well, tomorrow or the day after, we have a message concerning our finishing our course. We have our days. We have our course. God has measured to each one of us. I don't know how, how long my course will be. Each one has a certain amount of time. Will we seize all the opportunities we can have? I'm just burdened also, particularly with many young adults among us. You are in your 20s, 30s, 40s. You are in the prime time of your life. You are in this, uh, you are, you are climbing the ladder, the corporate ladder, many promising future. I'm not against that. But saints, we need to be watching. We need to be watchful. Don't be sure, so assured. Don't be so confident. No, you have, you've been through the training. 
you have read through the Bible. Uh, uh, you, you, uh, nothing of the world uh, can capture you, can gain you. Don't be so sure. As you are living in the world every day, we need to humble ourselves coming to the Lord and asking the Lord to preserve us. Keep my heart from sticking to the world, to the ambition, to the success, to the entertainment, to the pleasures, to the self. We need to take heed to the prophetic word, which are being made more firm, more sure than any other times. That we need to live to be revived by him every day, living an overcoming life every day, and let the world go. Let it go. I don't mean that you quit your job. Don't misunderstand me. But saints, the world is more powerful than ever. The world is so powerful. As I said, we said, you know, in these days, the world is, you don't have to go out to become worldly, to go out to nightclubs, to to go out to casinos, to go out to bars, to go out to do many worldly things, to be worldly. The world is right in your hand. It's right in your pocket, right in your home. Every day we need to ask the Lord, Lord, keep me, grant me the grace to live a simple life, not only for you, but unto you. Let the world go. The world is going to go anyway, right? I mean, when the, when the Lord comes back, everything is going to go. Why not let it go today? If we are going to be raptured, taken by the Lord, we have to get ourselves uprooted from all the worldly attachments so that just like the hymn we sang, 960, that was Brother Nee's hymn. So let the world go by. And every day our eyes are heavenward. We are looking. We love the Lord's return, love his appearing. So may the Lord give us this sense of watchfulness. Now we come to this last section on Rome, on Matthew 25, the, the parable of the of the ten virgins. The Lord's word is a this word in Matthew 25 is a parable for watchfulness. A says. Virgins signify believers' view from the aspect of life. The believers, the kingdom people, are like chaste virgins bearing the Lord's testimony, the Lamb, in the dark age and going out of the world to meet the Lord. For this, they need not only the indwelling, but also the filling of the Holy Spirit. We already read uh, that portion of the word about the ten virgins, five uh, are wise and five are prudent, waiting for the <clears throat> the bridegroom. When the bridegroom tarry, delayed, and the five foolish ones did not have enough oil to keep the lamp burning. And uh, when the bridegroom delay, the the prudent ones they had the lamps burning, <clears throat> while the foolish ones went away to buy oil. Those they, they missed the chance, they missed the bridegroom. So this is a parable concerning watchfulness. All of us believers are virgins. 
according to Second Corinthians eleven, we have been espoused to one husband. Christ is our husband. He is our bridegroom. He is coming back, but he is delaying his return. We don't know how many more years, how much longer. But here is the here is the test for us: How long can we last? As we are waiting for his coming, his his coming is a sure thing. It may not be tomorrow, it may not be next year, but for sure he is returning. Can you last that long? We are virgins from the aspect of life. We have been espoused to him. We carry a lamp that is to bear the Lord's testimony in this dark age, and we are going out. Of the world, these virgins—they are going out of the world. That means we are on our way out. As the virgins, we belong to our to our Lord, to our bridegroom. We don't belong to this world. We should always consider ourselves. We are a going out people. We are on our way. We are. We don't belong here. We should not be rooted here. We are on our way out of this world to meet the Lord. And here, from this parable, we see that these virgins need the oil, even the extra portion of oil, which signifies the Holy Spirit. They need the filling of the Holy Spirit, lots of it, extra portion of the oil. One says, "Lambs signify the spirit of the believers, which contains the spirit of God as the oil." Proverbs twenty twenty seven says, "The spirit of man." Is the lamp of Jehovah, a lamp is a spirit is a lamp that is lit by God with His oil when His Spirit came into us. Our spirit is now lit to bear the testimony. And eight little A says the believers shine forth the light of the Spirit of God from within their spirit. In order for the divine light to shine into man's inward parts, God's Spirit as the oil. Must soak, mingle with man's spirit as the wick, and burn together with man's spirit. I love the utterance here. Our spirit is not only just a lamp in general, but particularly our spirit is the wick, right? Usually made of uh, made of uh, uh, um, uh, cloth material, right? And that's our humanity. It's a wick that needs to be soaked. When if you're going to burn that, the lamb is to burn uh, to bear the light. That wick needs to be soaked with oil. Our spirit needs to be filled, even soaked, mingled with God's spirit as the oil, and burn together. God's spirit burning in our human spirit and with our human spirit. To bear this testimony, and little b, thus the believers become the light of the world and shine as a lamp in a dark in the darkness of this age, bearing the testimony of the Lord for the glorification of God. <clears throat> These believers, they did not only just carry a lamp; they are the light. They themselves are the light of the world. They did not just bear a lamp, speaking something for the Lord Jesus. They themselves are so filled and soaked with the Spirit; they are 
the light of the world. In this dark age, as I said, before the Lord returns, we are in the darkest night, darkest night. And what is needed in this darkest night is the bright shining light. And number two, went forth, this is in Matthew 25 verse 1, indicates that we believers do not settle or linger in any place. Instead, we are going out of the world to meet the coming Christ as our bridegroom. As I said, we must be the going out people. Don't say, I'm still young. I have, I have, uh, I'm only 30 years old. I have a, a lot I want to enjoy, a lot I want to pass through. Every believer must realize he is a sojourner. He is not a earth dweller. God did not intend for us to dwell on this earth, to take our roots on this earth. We are tent dweller. We are passing through. We are going out of this world to meet our bridegroom. Three says, as the Lord's seeking ones who are waiting for the Lord's coming, we are going out with him to meet him by leaning on him as our beloved, trusting in him helplessly and constantly enjoying him as our going out strength to leave the world behind. This is Brother Nee's utterance in his uh, exposition of Song of Songs. I love this utterly, uh, to the uttermost. We are helplessly leaning on him. We don't know what tomorrow lies, what will be tomorrow. We don't know how to handle this situation, that situation. We only know that we are on our way out. This is the place of the world. Although we pass through, we don't belong here. And we are leaning on him helplessly and constantly enjoying him as our going out strength. I realize to go out, to leave the world behind, requires strength, right? By ourselves, in our, according to our nature, we love to have more fun. We like to have more um, enjoyment of this earth. But the Lord's grace strengthens us. He gives us the strength to go out. As we lean on him, we are enabled, empowered to leave the world behind. Then B, the foolish, when they took their lambs, did not take oil with them, but the prudent took oil in their vessels with their lambs. Number one, vessels signify the souls of the believers. Having oil in our lamp is to have the Spirit of God dwelling in our spirit. Taking oil in our vessel is to have the Spirit of God filling and saturating our soul, that we may be enabled to live the virgin life for the Lord's testimony. Our spirit is the lamp, but the vessel is refers to our soul, our mind, emotion, and will. All the ten virgins have oil in their lamps, in their spirit, because they are believers. They're regenerated with the Spirit of God. But these foolish ones, after some time, 
there's not enough oil in the vessel. They ran out. So the wise ones asked him to go, you have to buy for yourselves. I cannot share mine with you. Well, the vessel refers to our being. This is our soul. Our soul represents who we are. How much spirit do we have in our mind, in our emotion, in our will? That determines the amount of oil in our vessel. In order to keep the lamp burning, there has to be sufficient amount of oil in our being to keep the light burning. Then the next point, we have the spirit in our regenerated spirit, but there is a question as to whether or not we have an extra portion of the spirit in our soul. This is a question I hope we can all pose to ourselves, not in an introspective way, but bring it before the Lord as we spend, as we spend time with the Lord. Lord, how much oil do I have? Do I have sufficient oil? in my vessel, in my soul, my mind. Is my mind would just fill with what? All the reasoning, all the thoughts. How do I make more money? How do I make more, be more successful? And in your emotion, how you just love, how you want to be entertained? How do you love to have more pleasures? And in your, in your will, you have your determination to be successful, to be this, to be that. How much have you allowed your soul to be soaked, to be invaded, to be occupied with the spirit? Oh, brothers and sisters, there is an urgent need these days for the spirit to fill our soul, to fill our vessel in order for us to be ready. Number four, the prudent virgins took oil in their vessels with their lamps. This signifies having an extra portion of the oil by being filled with the Spirit in our soul for our transformation. Saints, we need some surplus oil, extra portion of oil. Just a little bit is not enough. We don't know how much longer the Lord will tarry. We need to be able to endure. We need to be able to last enough oil to face all the situation. C, one of the best ways to gain the oil to receive more of the Spirit is by musing on God's Word in order to have intimate fellowship with Him in a spirit and atmosphere of prayer. Pray reading, indeed, is one of the best ways for us to get more oil, right? The Spirit is the oil, is in the Word, And when we spend time with the Lord to pray, read over his word, we get more oil. Now, next point, D, the foolish said to the prudent, give us some of your oil for our lamps are going out. But the prudent answered, saying, perhaps there will not be enough for us and for you. Go rather to those who sell and buy for yourselves. Dear saints, we all have to buy for ourselves. Those in the brother's house, in the sister's house, yes, you help each other out. Oh, I, I need to get this done. You help me out. You need to get that done. I help you out. But the day comes with this matter of oil. No one can, can share oil with you. Each one have to buy it for ourselves. 
Number one says to buy means to pay a price. We need to pay the price for the filling of the Spirit in our soul. What is to buy? That is to pay a price. What is to pay a price? That means you have to lose something. You have to lose something. What have we lost for the Lord? All our lives we have been gaining. We have been trying to gain the world. We gain education. We gain success. We gain appreciation. Even as a Christian, I would gain more knowledge. I would gain more recognition, appreciation. But now, the word is: Have you paid the price to buy the oil? What have you lost? Have you lost your soul life? Have you lost your the lust of the flesh? Have you lost your indulgence in the pleasures of this world? Have you lost all your ambition? Trying to 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 let go. This is the price. Proverbs twenty three twenty three, the verse says, "Buy truth, don't sell it." In the old formerly, I thought this truth refers to the Bible, to the that's true. We need to pay the price to read the Bible to gain the truth, but truth is a reality. Also implies the spirit. We have to buy the spirit. Little A says, "The spirit who came into our spirit, the initial spirit, was given to us freely, but the saturating spirit, as the extra portion of oil to fill our soul, is not free. This is something for which we have to pay a price to buy. The price includes matters such as giving up the world, dealing with the self, loving the world, loving the Lord above all, and counting all things lost on account of Christ." That was what Paul did. After he met the Lord, he counted everything as loss, everything as dung. That was the price he paid. That's why he could gain so much oil. Number two, our urgent need is to gain more of the Spirit as the consummation of the process. Triune God to live a life of buying an extra portion of the Spirit to saturate our entire being. This is our urgent need, saints. If there is any need, this is the urgent need to buy to gain more of the spirit in these days. <clears throat> Now, e the final, the foolish virgins who do not take oil in their vessels and who are not ready when the Lord Jesus comes will miss the wedding feast. Whether or not we will be raptured early to enter into the wedding feast depends upon. Our daily buying of the Spirit. You cannot buy this oil once a year, once a month, or even once a week. It is a daily matter. Every day, you have to give up a little bit, a little bit of your time, a little bit of your energy, to come to the Lord, come to pray, read His Word, right? Denying yourself. This needs to be a daily matter. One says, "For us to be qualified to be raptured, to enter into the bridegroom's marriage feast, requires our passing through a long period of accumulating sufficient spiritual oil in our vessel." You may ask, "How do I know I have sufficient oil or not?" Well, when you are come to a meeting, when you are、uh, preaching the gospel, when you're even just living your Christian life. Do you sense? Do you have a sense of dryness, 
or you sense a sense of anointing, the Spirit is with you. When If we have the sufficient amount of oil, we should not be sensing dryness. We sense, this, we sense the oil of the Spirit with us as the anointing, right? He's, he is soothing, anointing us with himself. It doesn't mean that you are rah, 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 you feel... You feel excited, elated. No, you just feel, you just feel oiled. You just feel peaceful. We need a sufficient amount of spiritual oil in our vessel. If we would be prudent and wise virgins, those who are watchful in life, we need to redeem the time. This means that we need to seize every available opportunity to be filled with the spirit. The sufficient oil will be our entry to the wedding feast. Again, I like to stress the word sufficient. I don't know how to define sufficient for you, but as I said, you have to sense experientially enjoying the Lord's anointing that we can be filled, <clears throat> seizing every opportunity. Point F, to be watchful is to be filled with the Spirit all day long. If we allow the Spirit to saturate our entire being, we are watchful persons making ourselves ready and being prepared by the Lord for his second coming. To be filled with the Spirit, saints, doesn't mean that you you speak in tongues, you roll on the floor, you feel so elated. No, not at all. To be filled with the Spirit is very normal. We are just filled with him. He is the heavenly pneuma, filling our, our vessel with himself. Gee, every day we need to be watchful, by paying the price to buy the spirit as the golden oil so that we may supply the churches with the spirit for the testimony of Jesus and be rewarded by the Lord to participate in the marriage dinner of the Lamb. Again, I say it is a daily matter. Every day we buy a little bit of the spirit, right? Do it, do it regularly. Do it normally without expecting anything strange, anything spectacular, but just every day coming to the Lord, buying the oil, buying the spirit from him, then we will have an adequate, sufficient supply of the spirit in our vessel for us to minister to others, to the churches, and for us to be qualified to receive a reward from the Lord. Amen. I finish here.